Hi, I'm Whitney Walker, and this is the Women Waken podcast, where I interview guests who are in the field of healing and spiritual work using their unique gifts of the divine feminine. We talk all about these amazing gifts that these particular guests have and how they're bringing them forth in the world. On this episode, I welcome the amazing Dr. Valencia Ray. Dr. Valencia is a medical doctor who now specializes in functional medicine. She has a holistic focus on the mind, body, and spirit connection and integrative medicine. She uses this approach to help patients to overcome stress, burnout, have anti-aging tools, address low energy and fatigue, brain fog, anxiety, weight gain, digestive problems, sleep issues, confidence, and to thrive in health and relationships. So truly, she addresses it all and she looks at it from a whole model, taking the whole person into account as to what's going on and what are the root sources and causes of illnesses in the body, of dysfunction in the body, and of problems at an emotional level that are causing these symptoms. Dr. Valencia and I have an in-depth conversation about how this integrative functional medicine approach is deeply tied into the principles of the divine feminine and the movement towards seeing ourselves as what we truly are, which is a divine being that is much more complex than we give it credit for and that could never be reduced to just external factors and symptoms coming through us. Her story is fascinating. Her work is amazing. She has so much wisdom and insight to offer. So take a listen, enjoy, and here's my guest. Hello, Dr. Valencia Ray. Welcome to the Women Waken podcast. Hi, Whitney. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to our conversation. So have I. So have I. Since we connected a few weeks ago and I got to learn more about you and your work and really you you stepping into and embracing this, this work of functional medicine and addressing your clients on a mind, body, and soul level. I think we really connect in that way. Yes, for sure. And tying it in with the divine feminine, which of course is a yes. uh, crucial point <laughs> that I like to explore. <laughs> uh, so Dr. Valencia, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and sort of where you are now and what your practice looks like, because you are a, a medical doctor who now specializes in functional medicine. So what does that mean to specialize in functional medicine? And what is functional medicine? If you could share that with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. So functional medicine uh, is something I think we do need to define because uh, even though I started um, medical school this year would have been 40 years for me starting medical school. I didn't learn about it till uh, about three, four years ago, about four, four years ago is when I first heard it, heard about it, but um, four to five. And then I started really looking into it and trained in it uh, three years ago. And so what functional medicine is, it's been around for over 30 years, about 32 years or so as an organization. And um, the main organization is the Institute of Functional Medicine, which is where I train. But the the philosophy of functional medicine is uh, sort of as it sounds, is functional, you know, the functioning of the body at an optimal level and not waiting for a chronic disease to set in or for systems to break down and become inflamed and 
throwing out the immune system and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's about uh, preven- prevention. It's about education. It's about getting to the root cause of your symptoms, not masking the symptoms with medication or drugs. Uh, my definition certainly of symptoms is that they are the body's cry for help. And the key to functional medicine is all about taking those symptoms, which are not unique to one particular organ system. Like you can have a a symptom of fatigue that could be related to your immune system at the same time related to your GI, your adrenal system. And so it's not like you do a pill for an ill. You have to be a, a systems thinker and an investigator to get the holistic picture and then address of, of all these different systems, what's the one that could potentially topple more dominoes with one focus? And that's like a root cause, be it that person's food or lifestyle or mindset or whatever is that underneath uh, root cause is where we focus. And that's what makes it so powerful because you are removing the things potentially out of the way that's keeping the body from healing itself, or you're potentially giving the body um, things that it's lacking due to, again, lifestyle, food, or even genetic causes. Thank you so much for that mm-hmm. that description. And, and I love that it focuses on root causes rather than just symptoms, because mm-hmm. I think that that's something that modern medicine still hasn't really transitioned into very much is no, they haven't. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and I talk about this often on the show, but unfortunately I think a lot of it is tied to profitability and that mm-hmm. if we address root causes, there are less symptoms and with less symptoms, there's less need to treat, have treatments. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of money in having treatments that are ongoing that are constantly needed. And if we get to the root cause, that goes away. Well, but Ed, um, you're absolutely, you know, I agree with you. And there's this piece where even with the medications, you're not treating the root cause. You're quieting symptoms, which is different in that many, most of the time, the disease process is still damaging. It's still ongoing. It's just you don't have your symptoms, but that doesn't mean that your um, body isn't still out of balance, that your liver isn't still potentially having trouble and deteriorating. And that's why you can be on these medications or drugs for years and get worse. Uh, Between that fact and the side effects of the drug itself, it's not really healing. It's just, again, putting um, a muzzle on your symptoms. Exactly. Yeah. And I was talking to my friend about that the other day. I I was having a a headache and I were talking about taking Advil and she said, well, you know, I really don't take Advil because all it's, I'd I'd rather know why I'm having this headache and what I can do. Do I need some Mm -hmm. water? Do I need some sleep? Is it something, you know, something about my diet? We're, we're overlooking the root causes because we want a quicker resolve. Yes. Absolutely. Not to mention that the Advil itself is very toxic to the microbiome in the gut. And once you knock that out, then you're really potentially running down uh, the the road quicker to the disease. Yes. Yeah. And you never really hear that. I've never had a doctor tell me to be aware of my, my Advil intake because it can throw off 
parts of the body. Your gut. Your gut, yeah. yeah. In particular. <laughs> yeah. So there's yeah. A, I feel that, you know, it, it sounds like with functional medicine or with more holistic approaches, there's a whole wealth of knowledge that's really not utilized or shared with a lot of people when they're going to see a, a general practitioner or in, you know, that the realm of modern medicine. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it is. It's a very big gap between the two. I mean, I come from the system and I can say that the things that we're using and treating and the same lab testing is from when I started 40 years ago. Nothing's really changed when it comes to how we address um, diabetes. We just have more drug options, but it's not reversing and curing because we're not even taught nutrition. We're not taught about food as medicine. Um, You're just basically writing prescriptions all day long. Uh, Now, I was an eye surgeon. So that's one reason why I went into eye surgery uh, and I had a fellowship in cornea transplantation. um, And I definitely helped a lot of people. (laughs) So that was one of the things that I liked because you could be blind one day and seeing 2015 the next, as long as everything else was uh, all well. But uh, eye surgeons have a lot more to do with chronic disease than most people realize because uh, by, I, I diagnosed chronic disease sometimes even because people showed up with eye problems related to the chronic disease. And then the other issue with the eye is it's because it's directly attached to the brain, you have a lot of neurologic symptoms. So we have to be like neurologists uh, to a great extent uh, as well because we are often the front front line for neurologic problems and life-threatening neurologic problems at that. So it really gave me a huge um, perspective, you know, everything from cataracts and glaucoma and cornea problems and all of this as it relates to blindness, but also the root causes or what's under those high problems, which are some of the very things I deal with, which is uh, hormonal and uh, autoimmune problems and diabetes and high blood pressure. So for me, in functional medicine, my focus, because you can have different you know, focus points in functional medicine. So I work with busy women to help them to overcome stress, you know, fatigue, hormonal problems, and to lose weight that stays off because it's not about dieting. It's not about, uh, it's really about resetting your metabolism. That, that's how I did it. That's how you know, I do it for my, my patients. And it's a, it's a lifestyle, but it's also getting to these root causes that has thrown off your mitochondria, accelerated your aging, slowed down your metabolism. And it's not about your age that you have to get, you know, gain weight. I'm literally back to my high school weight and have been so ever since I retrained in functional medicine and got to my own root causes. And, you know, I was uh, easily running as much as, well, on the low end, 20 pounds, as much as 25 pounds uh, more than I am now, which was almost my pregnancy weight because I had only gained back then, uh, you know, 28, 30 pounds pregnant. Uh, and so now I'm here. I have all this energy. I'm, you know, back down to my size. I helped my husband lose 50 pounds and keep it off uh, for the last three years. And it wasn't his food. It was his uh, it was his body. It was his, in terms of his inflammation and 
uh, ignorance around food that that was a part of it. We were eating things we thought were healthy that were very inflammatory, and that that is true for a whole lot of people, vegans in particular, uh, in some ways. So yeah, what are some of those things that are well? I, I love talking more in general about root causes and what are, are there you know some common root causes things that everything is based on like let's somebody has who has chronic gush, gut issues who has chronic sleep issues who has eye issues, weight issues, whatever it might be, what does it usually come down to? But also to more specifically, being a vegan myself, what are some of the things that causes inflammation? Because I know inflammation is a big cause of a lot of different ailments right. in the body. Correct. Mm-hmm. What can cause that? Okay. So I lead with stress because stress causes 90 to 95% of all chronic disease. Wow. Not okay. Good. There you go right there. So you want to talk about what cause, boom. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something that uh, I really focus on because if you can imagine, uh, there I was going into medical school, barely 21, coming out barely 25, and specializing in something as stressful as eye surgeon and cornea transplant, okay, and I'm doing it fast because of my mindset, and that goes back to some of the things I've uh, have come to teach about who we think we are and what drives us and all of this. But um, through that journey, I essentially went down a road less traveled into understanding stress as well. So before I came into functional medicine and found it, because it's the best kept secret, <laughs> is um, I had sold my ophthalmology practice. I had a big practice in Chicago at one time. And I sold it, and I sold it only because, uh, in fact, it was about, uh, it was uh, probably at that point about seven years ahead of plan. Um, but I had this knowing and calling from childhood, you know, around eleven or twelve, and it never left me alone. You know, it got quiet at some points, but it really came back up loud when, in particular, um, I nearly crashed and burned from stress. And I went down a deep, dark hole uh, at that time, and I was only 31. And uh, fortunately, my spirituality was a, t- it was a turning point that um, got me through it without, you know, to the external world, they wouldn't have known how traumatized that was. I mean, I really understand why people commit suicide because of that experience. And on the outside, I had had it all. I had gotten married. I had a new house. You know, I, I just... Um, it had a successful uh, business and I was literally opening the practice. So at that turning point, I started saying, what is what something's wrong with this picture? And so there was stress. So that always was in the back of my mind as I started really going down deeper into spirituality and getting off the road, less traveled and learning how to deal with fear and learning how to deal with self-talk and learning on and on and on. So fast forward, you know, I had two children in the mix and I learned how to let go of things and get help with uh, support, you know, from the household and this, that, and the other. I stopped trying to do it all. And ultimately, um, I had this intuitive calling and synchronicity started happening where even pharmaceutical reps showing up in my office would go, you know, Dr. Ray, um, 
um, this is all great. You have a great practice, but you're bigger than this. You, you, you know, and I remember when it first started happening, I was like, what? You know, they, they got nervous. It happened more than once uh, because they thought you know, I was offended. But all of these synchronicities started happening. So essentially, um, I put it out a challenge to the universe. Because I started having dreams about selling the practice and these wise women were coming in the dreams. It was kind of um, unusual because at that point I was so stressed out. I didn't have dreams very often. <laughs> so I sell the practice, um, which was total synchronicity. I never advertised. I, I, I put a challenge to the universe. If I'm hearing you right, then you have to part the Red Sea and bring somebody. And the Red Sea got parted like you wouldn't believe. Um, I ended up even being in a book that a guy named John Asrith had written, um, who was in The Secret. This guy was in this movie called The Secret. He wrote a book called The Complete Vision Board Kit. And I meet him right after the practice sales. And I end up my story being in his book. So it was really bizarre. And ultimately, I went on this journey that was very convoluted. I thought um, it was going to be a straight line like it was to be an ophthalmology. And it was so convoluted that except I was so clear from the inside out that this was a purpose that my heart was engaged in, I would have run back to ophthalmology, frankly, because it was, it was, there were so many pieces I had to go through that I didn't realize. And part of that, and this comes back to the stress, is I learned during that time because, you know, ophthalmology is a sub, subset of neuroscience anyway. And I had started meditating in 1999, 2000, when they first started doing the MRI studies on the Dalai Lama, you know, the, the, the CAT scan brain studies or whatever out of Wisconsin. And so I had started practicing mindfulness uh, back then. And so along this journey, I had started just intuiting, getting back to trusting my intuition, um, exploring this ideal of the divine feminine, which I always felt as a child, like, where's mommy God? This, you know, like, I was in a fundamentalist religion and I was like, well, you know, <laughs> something's missing here. And at the end of the day, um, I learned a lot about, I started hearing this conversation about stress causing 90, 95% of disease. Cause we're not taught that in medical school. And I started exploring that, but it still didn't add up like, okay, I know that's a quote. I know that's, a, but how does stress do this? Once I got, that's a long-winded way of saying, once I got into functional medicine, I was like, oh, now I see why stress is related to the cause of all this chronic disease. Because number one, for the first time in my career, I could actually find testing that looked at the adrenal system and a circadian pat pattern. Uh, that that connected the dot between the adrenals and the hormonal system that I had never connected before. Because see, when you go through medical school, I, de I delivered babies. I, I worked in the ER in general surgery. I, I did I did a lot because I was in a very big institution that had a lot of clinical opportunity on top of it. But even through all of that, and I, you know, I did a whole year of internal medicine, you know, in my internship, et cetera, uh, worked on the first AIDS ward in Chicago, taking care of AIDS patients in the 80s. So I had all this background, but I didn't know any of this. And um, 
then I find out like, wow, so there's this testing that looks at the gut in ways I had never seen before, um, the adrenal system, the hormonal system. Um, I started learning that the parameters were not um, healthy for thyroid. And that's why thyroid is such a missed diagnosis in our conventional system because they're looking at wrong, you know, in, in, improper data or, or data that's outdated. Um, and now I can see well, how stress uh, will throw off the immune system, will throw off, you know, the gut, will throw off the adrenal gland, will, will um, affect the biochemistry and physiology in such a way that even mental, emotional stress is enough that it can throw off the gut, okay? And we see a lot of that right now, right? Mental, emotional stress, um, sitting at your computer all day and not getting up and moving, staying in the house because you're you know, afraid to go outside or whatever the reason, uh, not getting fresh air, sunshine, moving your body, that's stress on your body. There's, there's four key stressors and, and that's, that's the form of it. It's not just mental, emotional, it's physiologic in a lot of ways. Eating uh, processed foods and uh, processed foods, you asked about vegan. Well, it's it, it, the, the only in my mind, the only healthy vegan is if you are truly eating unprocessed whole vegetables that are organic, not sprayed, not GMO'd. And um, you're eating, you know, come out the ground, nature's food. Uh, sort of thing. If it looks like something that it's not, it's processed. And that is what I see most vegans eating, food that looks like you know, cheese or meat or this or that. That's processed. And that uh, has ingredients in it. Well, the process itself can be inflammatory because who knows what all goes into it anyway. But um, certainly the the seed oils that are known as vegetable oils, like canola, uh, canola, uh, sunflower, safflower. I mean, they can even be organic, but they're processed. Natural, healthy fats come from fat-based fruits, avocado, olive, okay? Ghee butter comes, especially when it's, you know, a healthy cow that's been grass-fed and organic and not a cow that's depressed and, you know, fed grains because cow's guts are not made to process grains. They're, proce they're made to process grass. Okay. So that means that their guts are inflamed and that means their inflammation and depression. There's theories that that can go into their meat and milk because of epigenetics. Um, and then you're, you're taking all that in. So even meat itself isn't so bad. It's not, um, in fact, some people need meat, frankly. So there is no one size fit all diet. But um, if you are going to eat meat, let it be with humane practices for the animal, um, you know, grass fed and organic and what nature intended it, for it to eat, um, then it can actually be help you with omega threes and, you know, be he healthier, like the, the ghee butter, you know, et cetera. Um, you can take the lactose off of it, you know, et cetera, but the meat itself is going to be healthier. You know, I've helped people overcome chronic inflammation, just getting off of conventional meat and going to organic grass fed. 
So all of those things you can see, if you, if you understand a big picture of food is medicine, um, lifestyle where you're not, you have skill sets to help you to retrain your brain and take back the steering wheel, steering wheel of your mind, I like to say, then um, it can't be as easily hijacked uh, and distracted in the first place. So that can help the stress. Then if you are dealing with your adrenal system and your blood sugar control properly and you understand how that works, well, now all of a sudden you're able to sleep better on top of it because that's connected with your melatonin and your sleep. And we're a system. We're not like pieces of parts. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's important to look at the whole person rather than just one piece Mm because that's never going to tell the whole story. Right. It's like anything in life, right? <laughs> That's what they call it. Uh, holistic, right? Holistic, exactly. The whole thing. And and again, it just doesn't seem to be the case that a lot of uh, medical practitioners will look at the whole piece. They, It's just one thing that will be addressed. For instance, I have a lot of teeth issues and I imagine that there's some causes behind it, but I go to the dentist and they'll just take an x-ray and say, well, here's the problem. We need to fix it right now with a root canal and a story. And mm-hmm. I've had more root canals than I can tell you. And I would love Ooh. to know <laughs> why, okay. why my teeth are in such bad shape. Mm-hmm. And so that's just one example that, you know, I, it would be nice if we, if we had an approach that was, that took more factors into account that really looked mm-hmm. at, you know, what's the bigger picture here? What's going on? What, why isn't your body happy? Why isn't your body in a more, you know, functional state? Why is it inflamed? Why is it having these issues, mm-hmm. these, these deficits? Where is this coming from? Because that's a, a big question. And but to your point, kind of back to the stress thing, I think that most practitioners are overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed and overworked and, and yes. you know, deep into every client, they just don't have the bandwidth. You know, Absolutely. it feels like I, I, okay, you have this issue. Let me just, let's take care of it, put a bandaid on it. There you go. Let's keep moving. Cause I have, I've got too many, too many patients. Right. Um, the, the physician suicide rate is one of the best kept secrets I've ever seen. It is really high. It's off the chart. I mean, it's like the number one last I checked. Um, so overwhelmed is an understatement. <laughs> unfortunately. And uh, that's in the that's in the conventional system in general. Uh, functional medicine is not this, you know, not like that per se in that by definition, you're not in a, you know, system where you only have seven to 10 minutes per patient. So that by definition is going to be different. Now, different models exist, like you can do group, un, not personalized, but group um, functional medicine. And some groups, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, some practices do take insurance, but not very many because it's, um, you know, you're, you're grossly underpaid. Uh, you're underpaid in the conventional system compared to what the system brings in. But where all that money goes is more toward the um, management side. It's not the physicians. And I, I know Contrary to what people think, uh, physicians aren't the one making, getting the biggest piece, pieces of the pie here. Uh, so, it, it the way you know each each functional medicine doctor has to decide where their focus is and how they're going to deliver that care. Uh, for me, um, starting out, it's been one to one personalized, and uh, 
I am expanding now, you know, into 2022, starting uh, in particular, more uh, group type programs, some of which are not a medical per se, but they're educational. They, you know, look at all the things that I talked to you about. That's education right there. And I didn't get, did not give you medical advice per se, but um, you can educate around food and nutrition in general without giving medical advice and still move the needle because you're not getting that anywhere in general. Uh, so that's one type. And then there are medical uh, group models uh, that uh, the Cleveland Clinics, which is the only major medical center in the country that trains for functional medicine through IFM and has a functional medicine uh, wing uh, there, but that's the only medical center I'm even aware of. And um for those of you who may not be familiar with Cleveland Clinics, they don't have the marketing reputation as Mayo, but they're they're on par as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, uh, the Cleveland Clinics is a big medical center, huge. So um, they have shown how functional medicine can work in community and group uh, in a way that uh, is staged and is at an easier price point for people them the intensive one one to one. However, of course, it all breaks down to what do you value. Uh, I I say you either pay now, or you pay later. Uh, I think we put more value on our stuff than we do our health by a lot, and we wait. We we are very reactionary as a culture. Till oh now we have cancer, so we're going to be frantic, or you know oh we now look up we weigh fifty pounds more and. Our blood pressure is through the roof and our heart is failing. Uh, so now let's do something about it. Granted, we're in a system which, in my opinion, takes away our freedom of choice as to how, our, how to spend our health care dollars. Uh, you know, I pay an enormous amount of money for insurance I don't, e don't even use by the time I pay the premiums and the high deductibles. And <clears throat> I have no medical problems. <clears throat> Excuse me. So. Um, I can only imagine what it must be if you have diabetes or, you know, et cetera. And you aren't given, um, you know, it's the system telling you what doctor you can go spend your healthcare do dollars on. Uh, they generally aren't going to cover functional medicine. So unfortunately, until we figure this out, uh, if you really want to be able to slow down your aging, learn what stress is and manage it from the inside out, uh, be able to deal with your hormonal issues, especially as you start heading into the perimenopausal period. That's can be the worst for women. And uh, frankly, I don't know if you know this, but two thirds of all two thirds of all Alzheimer's patients are women. Two thirds. Why? Your hormones tank for one thing, and when that starts happening, as you're going through and entering and go, you know, menopause. Well, you're also, by that very same mechanism, it reduces your ability to balance your immune system and your inflammation. So that starts going up. And there are things you can do to reverse and prevent all this that aren't even talked about and not, frankly, probably even known by most conventional doctors. I had no clue until I retrained in functional medicine. I didn't know. So I don't think the doctors are being diabolical here. Uh, there is a bigger system behind the doctors. 
to your point when you started out this uh, conversation. Yeah. Thank you for that, for that insight. So then how do you approach a client that comes to see you who is dealing with a chronic issue and where do you know, how do you know where to start? What do you, what's the first thing? It sounds like maybe the first thing you look at is stress. What are the factors that are impacting the, their level of stress? But then mm-hmm. what? Sort of how do you allow them to really explore and get to the root causes? Because I think a lot of people, myself included, sleep issues and you know d- dental issues, all these things, I don't really know where to look. Mm-hmm. How do you help somebody find these things? Go into that investigation. Well, yeah, that investigation. So for me... Um, Fortunately, you know, I can humbly say I have a gift for seeing the um, connecting dots. I always have had that. Uh, I can see how this is connected to that is connected to that. So my brain is like wired for systems thinking. And I was uh, almost, you know, quite fully, almost fully ambidextrous. Uh, That's why I was such a good eye surgeon and cornea surgeon, because I can use both hands in both sides of my brain. Uh, However, um, I will just say here that our brain is flexible too, because I had lost a lot of my right brain abilities when I got really deep into the conventional system and uh, got too far in my left brain, which frankly, it can be a big hindrance. Uh, And you need both sides of your brain, by the way. So yin and yang. Well, you know, to address your question, that's why all doctors would have to be trained as well. Because even if you have this natural tendency to see see patterns and systems, if you don't know what you don't know, it's kind of hard. Uh, you, you will have to plow through the dark for a while. And who has time for that? And who wants to be the guinea pig? So you do need to go and get retrained. And that's a process. That's an expense that people don't understand. No, no one paid for my re-education uh, but me. And then you um, you have this understanding of systems and with your background in medical, which definitely comes in handy, I didn't have to start from scratch. I already had all kinds of science. I mean, I was a biology major in college. So uh, that certainly gave me a foundation. And then the training and the mentorships gave me more foundation. I had to actually learn how to interpret these tests And so you put all that together, you take my own personal journey into stress. And um, I had several unexplainable symptoms to the point that I had lost my hair a couple different times. One time it was so bad I had to wear a wig. Um, And, you know, my hair isn't even blown out right now. So it's a lot longer than it looks. So it grew back. Uh, and I used to struggle with cold hands and feet. I was gaining weight, even though I was eating less and less. And, um, you know, we attribute this to aging. My skin was getting dry. I knew intuitively something was going wrong with my circulation, even though I didn't have any visible signs. There were... Oh, I I can few other symptoms and everything would come back normal. Everything would come back normal. I said, no, something's wrong. So I 
I looked at TCM, I looked at Ayurveda, and I, I meaning even teaching my going into coursework to learn for myself even, and it was uh, helpful in some ways. Uh, now I wasn't an expert in it by any stretch, but um, I my training and culture and brain tends to be more like I need holistic, but I also need to understand the language and the culture and the, you know, so it wasn't really quite connecting the dot. Well, when I came into functional medicine and so I had the holistic science-based approaches that could bring in all of my own training, I didn't have to learn a whole new vocabulary, uh, you know, all of that certainly made it really easy. And then I started realizing, oh, wow, okay, my cortisol, I didn't know my adrenals were in this kind of shape. I had never seen this test in my life. Uh, now I could actually even understand the phases of where my adrenals were in terms of their health or chronicity of the problem. I could actually see that, wow, my sex hormones are through the basement. Uh, and I had no idea uh, because if if you just get a regular blood test instead of the special saliva urine testing, uh, then they just have this, oh, you're perimenopausal or you're menopausal, and here's the window of a normal estrogen. But you have no idea how low that is relatively to what it should be. And you don't, well, they don't even check that anyway, but um, I, I had had it checked along the way there somewhere. And it was just, oh, it's a normal range for menopause. And so bottom line is, as I learned how to interpret these tests, and I have this extensive background by now in all these years of medical school, what chronic disease is, what autoimmune, what cause, you know, not what causes it. Functional medicine helped me to really connect the dot more clearly that one of the biggest causes is gut for autoimmune issues. And the microbiome, when it gets thrown off in the gut, it contributes to being thrown off in the mouth. Or if you have undetected yeast and mold and, you know, other issues that's throwing off your immune system and weakening it, making you more susceptible to infection. So if you take a person's history, you take their symptoms uh, and you get these baseline kind of tests that I get on my personalized uh, uh, clients that help to integrate and connect these dots, it's not difficult, frankly. Uh, and if there's something specialized to uh, the mouth that you want, it is hard to find. But I would love for you to speak more about, uh, yeah, about gut issues and how, what is that, what does it look like? Okay. So gut issues, um, it's very interesting because before I went into functional medicine, I again, I was as clueless as anybody. When our gut gets thrown off over time, be it from stress, be it from antibiotic usage, um, there are some genetic tendencies for some or weaknesses, you should put, you sh I should say, meaning you're more susceptible to antibiotic problems or stress uh, throwing off your gut. And then when that happens and you start to weaken the healthy bacteria and the, it gives place for the bad bacteria to overgrow more. And again, eating and 
inflammatory see this happens over time so that's why we think it's due to aging however i'm seeing more and more people in their 20s and 30s who i am by a lot okay i'm clearly you know their mother because my kids are 20s <laughs> so and they could be older frankly um if I had started sooner. So the point is that you won't necessarily know until you get the test. And then um, when I see people who have skin issues and um, food sensitivity issues, that is the gut until proven otherwise. And if you do nothing, you have a greater chance of this leaky gut developing, meaning the line is really formally called intestinal, increased intestinal permeability. Uh, the paper thin or even thinner than paper, I mean, it's just like a very thin lining that can get compromised. And once that gets compromised and what's in the gut, which isn't supposed to communicate with your body's immune system, breaks through those linings and gets into the bloodstream, your immune system will see certain things as foreign and start to attack it. Or they may remind your immune system of your thyroid gland, et cetera, and mimic, uh, that mimic your thyroid hormones and start to get your thyroid hormones attacked by your own immune system. So that's how it gets started. These chronic diseases aren't just falling out the sky, or they're not just coming with age. Um, one of my best friends and mentors is like 97 years old. <laughs> and my grandma lived to 97, you know. Um, and some people have more ability to, to navigate that. I'm sure they had some lifestyles. They all tended to have more of a calmer mind. I can say that. It's not so much as age as it is how we age, what we eat. Yeah. So I, I believe that our whole paradigm about aging is imbalanced as well. How so? Well, we think that you're on a time biological time clock that it's okay for your body to start breaking down. Like I remember so, I could tell you so many stories of uh, even family members telling me, just wait till you get 30, you're going to start gaining weight. I was like, okay, we'll see. Well, bottom line is I didn't start really hitting the weight issue noticeably until menopause happened, although it was gradually increasing because my inflammation was increasing. My inflammation was actually getting dangerously high, like as in dangerous. Uh, and um, a part of it, it takes certain supplements to support these. Also, like I had no when I moved to California, and it um, really threw my body into something called oxidative stress that I wouldn't even have known what that was had I not literally been enrolled for my first quarter in my you know year long training intensive. And did a functional medicine test to find out my oxidative stress was high, which can damage DNA and it lead to cancer. And um, I remember how shocked I was. 
And what I did notice is a week after that smoke, I had gotten really sick. I hadn't got my test results yet, but I thought that was really weird because I rarely got sick and now I'm sick. And this oxidative stress came off like above high norm. You know, like it wasn't even normal. It was into abnormal. Well, how would I have known that if I hadn't had the functional medicine testing in the first place? And I'm telling you that I have never had one patient yet that's come with a completely normal GI test. Hmm. It's just a gradient of how bad it is or not. And it can be everything from your digestion is off, your stomach acid is off, which, by the way, can lead to chronic problems and disease, which we don't even know about uh, in general. We just take, um, what do we take, proton pump inhibitors? Well, that's not getting to the root cause for sure. Um, And it's really about, uh, with aging, is a combination of what you believe, what you think, your lifestyle, your sleep patterns, what you're eating, um, knowing this, what I'm talking about, hormones, and really understand the science of bioidentical hormones versus synthetic um, sex hormones, which is a world apart. I mean, they're very different uh, issue. Um, so it's, it's a lot of things, but that's why the training and the expertise of the practitioner matters. Of course. course. But I will say this, Whitney, I, I personally would, you know, I, I, I think regardless of the level of training, if, uh, if a person, a practitioner has at least, um, taken seriously and done their training, in functional medicine, and even if they're not a, as holistic as I am around bringing in emotions, even because emotions that that's a driver of the stress is understanding um, the power of emotion to affect our physiology and our biochemistry, and how to be able to make what I call make friends with your feelings instead of being afraid of them, because that's a skill set, you all. That's a skill set. And that's the skill set I find very people, very few people have, men or women. And if you can do that, um, then you're you're going to be like way ahead of the curve. But let's say you're with a practitioner who doesn't understand the big picture holistically all the way, you'd still probably be better off for sure than just doing the old conventional stuff. Even if you just, if even if you didn't do testing. But you just understood food is medicine, proper oils, um, take seriously lifestyle education, understand your self-talk and how that contributes to your stress and how your mind contributes to the stress. You took these things seriously, you'd still move the needle. That's for sure. Absolutely. And that, uh, well, that brings us into my territory a little bit as a um, mental health therapist is the the idea that, and I, I love your thoughts on this, that even all body, you know, root causes when the body, their root cause usually come from emotional distress, mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that emotion, that physical symptoms are typically coming from a, a level below that. 
which yes, is which is absolutely. unaddressed emotions, held emotions, fear, anger, sadness, grief, rejection, insecurity, all of these things manifest into the body. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, you know, because I'm so purpose-driven and I feel like I'm here for a reason, you know, for such a time as this. So I I don't feel like I'm just a little spot um, in the universe, you know, just happen to show up on the planet. Through that journey, what I didn't know that I didn't know was coming. And I said I went on this long, convoluted journey that if I wasn't so committed, I would have run back to ophthalmology mm-hmm. screaming. Um, <laughs> is that <laughs> it was harder than going to medical school. Medical school wasn't hard for me. It was just stressful because of all the brutal hours you had to keep and you know etc because it was really wild you know 40 years ago the but the journey was that I didn't know I didn't see coming is that because I grew up to your point having this almost like preset point of melancholy now I do understand now how there is a nutritional component even to that for sure you can actually for sure help your anxiety and depression with food as medicine and lifestyle uh, as well, because they're tied into stress and to your point, all this uh, understanding how to self-regulate your emotions uh, in a healthy way and et cetera. But I used to, as a teenager in particular, I just struggled with waking up with this pit in my stomach of melancholy and I was, the glass was half empty most of the time. And I was um, on the outside, I was a leader from the time probably, I, I was a conscious leader, like I'm conscious, I'm a leader in second grade. And um, at the time, you wouldn't have thought that I felt so insecure. And as I got older, it actually got worse. I wasn't too bad in second grade, although. I, I wasn't as confident as a, I could have been because of my family situation. <laughs> you know, I, I had an emotionally challenging life. Uh, it was emotionally challenging. So I'm grateful that, it, you know, it wasn't more than that because it could have been. But it was very emotional challenging. And um, it got worse as I started hitting adolescence because, you know, adolescents already have hormonal and you're shifting and then all, all this stuff. So I, by the time I was a teenager, I believe, you know, I was just, I, I was a, I had a terrible inner critic. It was just outrageous. And yet I put on that happy face and went out there and got a good grades and was being social, but I never felt like I belonged because of the stories and because of the emotions and et cetera, et cetera. And so I had like five different groups of friends because I, I, I actually, still have different groups of friends but I'm more conscious about it now because and I actually don't call everybody friend either I have groups of people necessarily because I actually enjoy community and I actually is a gift because now that I've gotten out of the negative side of it I I just can, can I can connect with a variety of people I don't care what the culture is or whatever I, I am able to do that uh, but at the time I had this story that something's wrong with me. I mean, there's never enough. Never it. it was torment. It was mental torment. 
And that was one of the things that when I started hearing my calling around age 11 or 12, um, it scared me because I was so insecure. I was like, I can't do that. Um, and I would intuitively hear, which I was, I became afraid of my intuition on top of it, right? Because we're conditioned to do that too. Um, but I would hear in my quiet knowing that I would screw up and how people be empowered because I wanted to be empowered. I felt so doggone insecure. And I was to travel the world and teach people the secrets of the universe. And what the heck was that? Okay. But that's what I would hear. Anyway, fast forward. I managed to navigate my way through college and medical school on a heroes type journey or heroes type journey. Uh, because I, I, um, part of it was in my mind. And part of it was very real. I was in a hostile environment that wasn't supporting uh, at me at school. And, um, and I, you know, I come from a, a, a misogynistic family, you know, so to speak. And, uh, you know, the whole religious thing. But, you know, my, my father did the best he could. But in the several last years of his life, he, he had some kind of awakening because um, he he was just such a wonderful. I always saw him as a, um, a a a great father in many ways, but emotionally he was not. But in his last several years of his life, um, he really did transition a lot. Where uh, we had a great relationship. So, make a long story short, through that journey, I picked up a lot of pain around what how emotions can affect your health because it was not until I learned about the chakra system when I was almost 40 years old that I started really unraveling the emotional pain and the problems in my body, including a heart murmur, including chronic second chakra problems in my body. As I started learning about chakras and changing the energy, these problems vanished on their own. So that was a clue to me that, wow, emotions are tied to our health. That was one of the first clues. And then uh, I started learning the chakras was related to more than just the physical body. It was related to mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. So I started working with that. And it was my selling of my practice that put me on this journey of emotional healing and going really deep in particular, to who do, who do we think we are and how, um, what fear really is. Um, even back in 2008, I wrote a book that I never promoted because of my uh, story inside of my head uh, that I was, a, um, you know, I was afraid to put something so personal out there because I grew up with a lot of ridicule within my family. It wasn't from my friends outside. I didn't have too, too much trouble socially, but um, I never promoted the book, but I made it, I made up my own acronym about fear and published it in that book. And it, um, it is this fictitious evidence affecting reality. Not the, the old one. There's one out there that's something about false evidence appearing real. Uh, I'm talking I'm talking neuroscience in the way the brain works. It's a story fictitious. It's evidence for you because the brain works by the power of perception and what you believe is true. You will find evidence to back that up. 
that's why right now in the world, you got all this polarity. Because one side, both sides are not conscious that they're fighting each other in the first place. If you think your way is the only way, you're not really being conscious. There's always more than one way. And you don't walk in the other person's shoes, so you're not showing very much empathy if you think your way is the only way. So if you are opposite polarity, you tend to only look for things that reinforce your polarity. And that's why people can't talk to each other because they won't even look at evidence that is opposite to their thinking. So that's the evidence. So you create a story. This is the way I see the world. This is right. Mm -hmm. And I only see the evidence that reinforces that. And it affects my reality, okay? Because that's the way the brain is set up. The brain is set up the left brain in particular, when you, when you cut yourself off from the right brain, you're really in trouble. The right brain is your intuition. Mm. So you're fed a story, be it from the media or wherever it's coming from. <laughs> uh, you, you fed the story. You've made up the, your mind. This is, this is the way it is. You only see the evidence that aligns with your side of the fence. And it will affect your reality because your choices will be based upon that. And if you are doing this, you are in fear because love does not function this way. Love is able to see the big picture and connect dots. And even if it doesn't agree, it can still hold a space for empathy and listening. So I say all this in summary is that um, these emotions actually form Early in life in general, a little seven-year-old and younger creates this story, learns how to cope based on a decision, starts to filter life that way. And often because of this conditioning in our world, and it starts as, you know, kindergarten, first grade in particular, competition, I'm smarter than you. Well, you might be in math or science, but not in art, okay? We, we don't value all of the human creative gifts. So our system really contributes to this mess. And uh, the child creates these stories about itself. Well, once you do that, and we're not even talking yet about the genetics and the food and the environment throwing uh, gasoline on the fire, you're creating this fear that you are not either secure or loved or, you know, your self-esteem, your worth is not good enough. Those lower three chakras. Security, love, self-esteem. Those are mammalian traits. It will drive you. And depending on the story outside of you, you will get hooked. And once you're hooked and you don't know how to get out of it and you don't have any skills and you don't have a guide, now you are easily manipulated or, you know, just whatever it is. And, and, and you lock down. I'm right. You're wrong. You know, this is my side. That's your side. Now your physiology is really going to be ramped up if you don't know how to access gratitude, appreciation, um, heal that inner story, heal that wounded child, 
And that's where we get, and you're a therapist. I know you know about the adverse childhood experiences studies being linked to chronic disease. Yeah. There you have it. Yeah. Well, I couldn't agree with you more in the synopsis you just offered, Valencia. That's really remarkable and, and it hits home so hard because I think that, you know, what you're really illustrating is that the fundamental things that shape us in early life really create our reality and mm-hmm. create our understanding and beliefs about ourselves. And mm-hmm. you used a term earlier that I feel is so pertinent is it becomes mental torment. You know, I've experienced mm-hmm. a lot of that because of beliefs that I created that mm-hmm. may or may not be real, but they felt really real to me. And mm-hmm. those things felt really true, you know, that I wasn't worthy, that I wasn't lovable, all these things. And it's, and, you know, it's interesting because those manifest as sort of what might be seen as um, character flaws, you know, can make mm-hmm. a person overly selfish or overly mm-hmm. self-interested or maybe rude to others, but no one chooses to be that way. You know, I, I share mm-hmm. that with clients a lot is when they say, oh, I'm just so tired of being preoccupied with this. I don't know why I'm like this. And I remind them, well, it's not like you chose to be. This is because as we, you know, comes back to root mm-hmm. causes. Mm-hmm. This is coming from somewhere deeper. This is coming from yes. an understanding and belief that's taken almost a life of its own and really creating day-to-day your reality. And it is, it can, it's torment. It is, it feels uh, like that. Mm-hmm. As long as it's it's running the show and you don't really know what to do and you feel stuck in it. Absolutely. So, you know, my my purpose is empowerment to help people. Like, I I literally mean take back the steering wheel of your own mind. That's not just, you know, a marketing. (laughs) It's literal. And so even with the functional medicine, from my point of view, uh, I know I've helped accomplish my purpose when you can go and take care of your own health, don't keep coming back to me every three months, then I've done my job. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think all all of this that we're talking about hints to the exact principles of of the divine feminine, of that divine feminine energy that's wanting so much to return and to be reconnected with. Mm -hmm. As humans, to have that experience again, because... It is the knowing and the understanding that we are complete, that we are at all times connected, mm-hmm. that we're always absolutely cool, that we're not yeah. that we can never actually be completely harmed or unworthy, that we're we're always whole and worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that misconstrued concept is again, it's uh it's lethal. It's absolutely our body and our our soul mm-hmm. and our our mind. Totally, and I um, this could sound the ultimate self esteem for me uh, is knowing I am perfect, whole, and complete at an essence level. So there's I literally just you know I literally believe. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And we're in a body, so we can work on planet Earth and be in 3D form. And it's our nervous system that limits us and get can get cut cut off. And you know, some people have access to 
the invisible realm more than others. Uh, dogs can hear sounds that we can't hear just because you can't see or feel it uh, or whatever doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It just depends on how how you are uh, have trained or allow your gifts and your natural abilities to even flow through. Back back when I wrote the book years ago, <laughs> one of the things I used to say is, who do you think you are? Okay, that's one way of putting it. And what we usually do when we hear that is, oh, you know, and I say, yeah, uh, if your britches are getting too small, you need to go get a bigger pair. And yes, we all are special. Um, so the issue here is just, who do you think you are? You know, you can ask it that way. And it's like, well, most people really don't know. That's why there is all of this insecurity because they think they are only human. Haven't you ever heard, oh, I'm only human? Well, if you only are human, if you think that, believe that, and be it unto you as you believe, okay, uh, is a spiritual reality um, for the most part on planet Earth, then... And belief, by the way, has to do with feeling as well. It's not about what I think. It's really what I feel is with that thinking is what is going to form a belief. And so ultimately, if you think you're only human, which is what the left brain does to you, okay, because it can't see beyond the five senses, then you're also going to believe all the labels and judgments about what humans are. You know, all these bad things about humans. And your self-esteem is going to also be external. Your work to money, to I'm famous, I'm beautiful, I'm too heavy, too skinny, I'm too light, I'm too dark, I'm a girl, I'm a boy. And if your self-esteem is outside of yourself, good luck. Because <laughs> any, you know, any marketing thing can just come and jack you up. Okay, you need some Botox to go have a facelift. No, whatever it is. So the transition for me, and it was a process because I had to dismantle it from, well, I'm, a, I'm an eye surgeon, I'm a doctor, you know, whatever, whatever. So ultimately, my rooted and groundedness and sense of I love myself, and I don't have to defend that. I know you may not understand what I mean by that. We can talk about that. But you're not going to, you know, force me to believe I'm less than just because you have more money in the bank or you have more this or that. Where does that esteem come from? For me, I found it's ultimately knowing who I really am as a spiritual being and the connection to the divine expression that I am. So all the other stuff, does that mean I have supreme confidence all the time? Confidence is about doing, not being. Being is who you are. Confidence is what you do. So sure, I can be insecure if I'm about a certain new thing I'm learning, which means I need to study. I need to practice. I need to, you know, repetition. I get better and better at it. Like, then it's not like, oh, I'm unworthy now. No, I'm, I'm more confident now than ever or, or more secure. Um, and my confidence continues to grow and my ability to adapt and have mental agility 
as I apply these things I learn and, and not just hold them as useful information, but actually embody them. And so I'm always growing. I'm always expanding. It never stops. Right. Well, I think that all the incredible points you just made boil down to the greatest problem that we have in our world, which is we don't know who we are. We mm-hmm. don't feel that we have, we are in the the driver's seat that we, you know, have the steering wheel to our own lives. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we are concerned with externals more than internal. Mm-hmm. And to me, that equates to we are beholden to conditional status rather than understanding our true unconditional status of worthiness. And that is a state of imprisonment. You feel like Mm -hmm. a prisoner when you feel, Mm -hmm. I have to have this in order to be that. I have to have success in order to be worthy. I have to have beauty in order to be loved. It's a a miserable place to be. It's miserable. It It is. is. And, And I think it's a place that most of us live in. I don't know many people that are beyond that. And those that are have just a strong knowing of who they really are. And again, that's the problem is that people don't know who they are, just as you said earlier. Um, yeah, absolutely. And here's, you made me think of the cult that I have. Um, there's one here that works perfectly with what you just said, because it goes with the metaphor you just gave around prison. And it's by a guy, uh, a, a, a spiritual teacher who's passed away a while back, uh, who, you know, I never, I can't ever I can't, I, when I was on my journey, I had a mishmash of uh, quote unquote spiritual teachers. And a lot of what I know, I just know it's just like downloaded, you know, I, I, that's what I call it downloaded, um, you know, by the Holy spirit or whatever. It's intuitive. So it's nothing new under the sun, frankly. I think, um, we again, project on teachers all the time. Like they're so great. When really there's a information field out here of in, in infinite intelligence um, that we're tapping into, it's just that some people get published and now all of a sudden it's ascribed to them when what they're saying is actually somebody else was thinking it as well, or it's ancient information anyway. <laughs> it's nothing new. So, so this person, his name was uh, Gurdjieff, Gurdjieff, and here's what he said. Quote, in order to escape from prison, one must first understand that one is in prison. Boom. Yeah. Okay. And that's where we are. Most people don't understand they're in prison. And that, you know, really magnifies the the misery because we tell ourselves, I shouldn't feel this way. There's something wrong with me. I'm this or I'm that. Or then you get the guilt, you get the shame around how you feel, not recognizing that it's because we're not meant to live this way or have this type of understanding about ourselves. We're we're meant to understand ourselves at a totally different fundamental level that we don't. Right. And and I will say this as a skill, here's one, here's a tip for you. Work like your life depends on loving and accepting and having compassion for yourself. Mm. Because it does. It does. It really does. Yeah. That's that was my that was one of the secrets to the universe that I learned in this journey. And I when I started out, everyone in this like it was very lonely. Like what people are doing now and learning now and these kind of conversations, 
they weren't here 30 years ago in a big way. We didn't even have internet. And that's, that's where I was going through this. And I was a doctor. I had nobody to talk to. My husband was wondering what was going on with me. Uh, when I started meditating, he got scared until he started seeing. Um, it was starting to change some things. And then, you know, eventually a few years later, he joined in. You know, he, he was still married. He'd been married 32 years, amazingly. Uh, and uh, that, why? Because he came along for the ride because I wasn't stopping. Uh, after I came out of that bottomless pit that I had referred to when I was uh, uh, stressed and had fallen into a, felt like an abyss, nobody was going to turn me around because it was like my life literally depended on me healing my mind as far as I was concerned. And I didn't take any medication or drugs or anything. Um, I feel like spirit carried me and that's why I'm so devoted um, to spirit now because I feel like that's the only reason why I'm here. For one thing, and, and I, I know I came here for that. In this journey, I used to feel like something. In fact, along the way, when I first saw my practice and was trying to find my way, didn't have any guidance and just crazy, I had to go through this exercise that I just kept a hand mirror in my prayer room. And I would look at it and I would say, I love myself. I love myself. And look, at when I first started doing the exercise, I heard in my own mind, no, you don't, you liar. Okay, now, is it some kind of, like, are you possessed when that happens? No, no, you're not. Your brain is a storytelling machine. And somehow in there, when you believe these stories about yourself, they're not there to harm you. They're there to keep you safe because somewhere along the way, you believe this thing because the authorities around you said something was wrong with you. I actually would hear that in my family system. Okay. What's wrong with you? Okay. Um, and it, it wasn't done harmfully. It was just unconscious. But the three-year-old kid or whatever can take that personally. If somebody is saying what's wrong with you, then something must be wrong with me. And if they're yelling at you, not because they don't like you or they're being uh, abusive, they're just tired. So at the end of the day, here's this tape of my story. And that story was also telling me it's not safe to be too visible, by the way, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So you're taking a risk every time you act like a leader. And fortunately, you know, I still did at times, even though I was terrified. You have to work that out. And as you do, guess what? Not only do you start to feel more at ease about yourself, but you start to be kinder to other people. That is huge because we think, you know, all this blame and stuff is just projection. When, when we're just being so mean to other people, it's really like turn the finger back on yourself. And if you do that and heal, heal with compassion, those stories in your brain, your left brain about yourself, the world would be a better place in no time. Yeah. Oh, and what a more pleasant experience that would be for all of us. Right. Because it, you soften. When you soften, you don't have those rigid edges that make you reactive to other people. That's when people are, are rude and cruel to each other is when they're being reactive rather than 
active with love, just able to have their mm-hmm. hearts open. I think that's mm-hmm. another huge thing we find in our society is people do not feel safe. So they mm-hmm. keep their heart closed off. And right. it's when we open Absolutely. our heart, that's when we can be kind. And that's when we feel, we're able to actually feel that remarkable feeling of giving love just effortless, effortlessly to another, not because we're receiving something in return, not because we want something out of it, just because we recognize that we are beings who can naturally give love. That's our, that's our inherent nature. Is right. Love. That's absolutely true. And that love comes through us, not necessarily from us as an ego per se, but it's through us, the real self, which mm-hmm. is this divine nature. And it's one of, it was one of the hardest things I've done in life because my heart was closed at one time. I mean, my, I was, I, I, I could be as polar as you could think like, oh, she seems like she's so nice, which I am because at, at the heart, I have a very loving heart, but some of the most loving people can be some of the m- most angry, mean people because they carry so much emotion. Anything is their fault. I think everybody literally is doing what they can based on their own stories, right? So they're just triggerable and defensive because they have their karma they have their story or whatever so i'm i have forgiven and that's why i I got free too by the way freedom is i mean uh, forgiveness is definitely a superpower (laughs) uh but at any rate um when your heart is so closed and i literally remember the moment in time that i made a promise to that family system in the universe in a way, you know, to that family system, you will never hurt me again. And I became a warrior. Talk about a closed heart. That's where my chest pain ultimately, I believe, was coming from when I was starting to develop the mitral valve prolapse is my heart was so blocked, it was damaging my heart. Remember I said in the chakras, I found out that the chakras were um, to give you clues to your medical condition. Mm-hmm. And when I figured that out, that's, that was my journey of forgiveness. The second chakra and the fourth chakra were so blocked. And um, by dealing with that, those chronic problems in those two areas, for those of you who may not know the second chakra, you know, it's in your pelvic area, essentially. The sacrum. Um, yeah, the sacrum. And so back even before functional medicine days, just by starting to op- work on opening my heart which part a big part of it is learning to love yourself and have compassion for yourself then that began that journey and um your, my heart can continue to open and open and open it's not like oh it's totally open now and you know i've arrived uh, but oh my gosh i'm like not even the same person even at this point yeah so you continue to grow don't ever think that it, you just Oh, I've arrived. Like some people seem to think uh, it's a spiral. It's like an octave higher and a spiral up the mountain as you grow. But, you know, you plateau again and then you learn some more. Then you go up the mountain and you plateau again. So I guess I I just don't have that groupie mentality. Um, I've never been a groupie, even when I loved Michael Jackson and the Jackson 5 as a little (laughs) girl. You know, I loved them, but I wasn't a groupie. Uh, so I'm not a spiritual guru, teacher groupie either, uh, because ultimately the, the ultimate spiritual teacher is within us. 
And I'm, you know, here to help us to remember that. Yeah. Well, you certainly are Valencia. And it sounds like everything you're doing is, I mean, I feel like someone could come see you to, to begin this whole journey of opening their heart, getting back to gaining accessibility, control over the steering wheel of their life and figuring out who they are. And then everything else falls into place. I feel like you start there and then, then you can start addressing the body issues and what the root causes are of that. But I think the first thing you have to do is really figure out who you are and what that means. And then Mm -hmm. kind of identifying those, those, uh, false beliefs we have about ourselves. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think we're at an era now where everything's accelerated and the universe is, is, is like a top of mind where we, you know, I can look back at my journey and see how staged it was in some ways, like, okay, I went through this stage. And I, but even it wasn't, even back then wasn't fully staged because see here I was learning about the mind and emotions and chakras, but I was also affecting my physical body. Yeah, And so I think we don't have time anymore to just be playing around. It's like Eckhart Tolle wrote a book, but there's a line in that book of the new earth that says evolve or die. And I just got chills when I read that. I mean, that book, that's the one line in that whole book just stands out to this day, evolve or die. That was it. And I thought, well, he certainly isn't talking about Mother Earth because Mother Earth isn't going anywhere. Um, he's talking about us. That was the insight I got. Yeah. And I say that to this day. We, we can't destroy planet Earth. Are you kidding? Um, we can destroy ourselves. But what I'm thinking nowadays is there is this fork in the road happening where the, the vibrations are rising. You know, you hear some people talking about the fifth dimension, et cetera. I think that's all real. And um, we are either going to raise our vibe and help bring in the new earth ourselves to, you know, I don't know how long this process is going to take, but if we don't wake up and start to raise our vibes and we're still being you know, divided and triggered and mean. That low vibe is going to take you out. You're going to get sick. That's my thought about it. Um, And now that emotional issue, if you are hanging in that low vibe space, you're more susceptible to dis-ease anyway. So that's where they're connected. So my advice to people is to do the best you can to, to be on all cylinders, to embrace, um, make friends with feelings, and to learn about food as medicine. Yeah. And, 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 you know, this is where people like you and I have intersections and collaborations. You know, I, I did training at the master's level in mental health, uh, and I am trained and, and certified in IFS and all that. But you know, that's not my primary focus. And so I collaborate with people like you who have that as a primary focus because you can give more individualized for people who want more individualized. Now, again, I have a vision for doing some of this on a community group level uh, uh, in a way that is 
um, helping to move the needle in a larger way because we don't have time for one on one to one to one to one to one. Not only would that burn us out, but uh, fewer people can be reached. And I don't. I think the universe personally, um, if you are raising your own vibe, doing your own work, and loving yourself, your field being raised allows you to be a greater instrument of peace for divine healing space to come through, which can reach larger groups of people through you at one time. This is not about just some words that I'm speaking or um, tricks and tools. I mean, all of that's a part of it, but healing, um, you know, I grew up in a religion that I actually witnessed miracles, like literal before your eyes, you have to rub your eyes to see, did that really happen? Uh, and I've, I've actually have, have had that happen through me where someone like, I can't believe I, that just happened. So, I mean, there is such a thing as Shakti healing, <laughs> you know, and to the degree that, um, you know, you can be an instrument of peace and a channel and hold a space, then um, the room, it's, you know, people in the room itself can be healed as well. So this is greater than just my escaping mental torment, although I tell you, that matters a whole lot to me. And I wouldn't be sitting here, I don't think, talking if that didn't happen. <laughs> so so it's both and is, is what I'm trying to say. I'm not a sacrificial lamb. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing this just for everybody else. I also want to be included. And I think that's the whole point to where we're moving as a new earth is both and yeah. left brain and right brain. I'm just as important as you. You're just as important as me. Uh, how can we how can we walk together and find common ground and stop all of this polarity? Because that's not going into the new earth. I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. That that's not really part of our of evolution. Separation mm, this time. isn't usually incorporated in evolution. Yeah, it's time we, we've been through that phase. That's what's being phased out. Yeah. So Eckhart Tolle's words are prophetic, evolve or die. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Valencia. I feel like we could talk on and on. Um, you have so much insight to offer and, and such great insight because it's both spiritual and medical. And that's mm-hmm. so valuable because people are in, in need of both. You know, we, because mm-hmm. science is real, the things happening in our body are real. But the root causes of them are often spiritual, metaphysical things that need to be addressed. And there needs to be different approaches. And you incorporate those right. in your work. Right. And that's greatly appreciated. So thank you so much for sharing everything that you have with us. I feel like we could do another episode together, which I think we will, because there's just so much to talk about and explore. And you're such a wealth of knowledge. So thank you for sharing that with us. My pleasure. Yeah, it's time for it's time for the you know the world to start to truly think differently. You know, it is, it is, and also thank you for the reminder that when we're going through this mental torment, you know, there's usually a reason. Most, a lot of people will look back and say, "Okay, that was really difficult, yet it led me exactly to where I am now." If I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't have been pushed and challenged to shift my thinking, shift my approach, shift right what I was doing in order to reach a new understanding. So thank you absolutely for that and everything else. And 
Valencia, if people want to find you so they can work with you, because I imagine, I mean, after our talk, I'm already, I, my mind's spinning about how I want to work with you and figure out, you know, what I don't know about going on with my gut and my teeth and my skin <laughs> and everything else. How can people find you if they want to start this journey of true, uh, yes. true well-being? Yes. Uh, the easiest way is to visit my website, uh, ValenciaRay.com. That's uh, V as in Victor, A-L-E-N-C as in cat, I-A. Ray, R-A-Y, so one word, ValenciaRay.com. And there's different ways to contact me through the website. Uh, I do telehealth for medical uh, telehealth through California uh, and Illinois, or where my uh, current licenses are. And um, I am planning on doing some uh, move-the-needle educational, you know, non-medical, meaning it's not going to be specific medical advice, but I, I guarantee you, I mean, I'm sure you learned from this and I didn't even go into any you know, deeper educational skill sets uh, around it. So you can, you can do that with um, in group community practices. And those are things that I want to bring in more to 2022 as well. But the, the uh, best way for personalized is um, the one-on-one -on -one that I can offer now. Fantastic. Well, those will be included in the show notes as well. Thank you so much again, Dr. Okay. Valencia, and uh, look forward yeah. to having you on the show again soon. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Okay. That wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guests. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with others and come back for more. If anything you heard resonates, leave a review or send me an email at Whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day and don't forget to let your light shine and keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.